media, the whole idea of an algorithm, things like that is all about getting your attention. There is a reason, right? Obviously, there's, they are listening and they're looking at your searches and all that sort of stuff, um, which I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I just say things out loud like free money or um, you know, things like that, hoping that maybe I'll get a good ad for it. Um, but our attention is, is, is shrinking. In fact, that, this is scientific fact. Um, especially since the introduction of things like smartphones, our attention span, especially as Americans, has actually gone down fairly significantly over the last 20 years or so. And so oftentimes we may have a great desire to have a rich prayer life or time with the Lord, but it's easy for us to get distracted. Another thing that happens sometimes is we get discouraged. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where I have prayed with what I thought was like all my might with power and authority, and what I was hoping for didn't happen. The cancer never went away. The job didn't happen. The girl who I thought for sure that I met at a, at a, a youth retreat when I was in seventh grade did not find me and did not want to marry me. There are these times where sometimes we can get discouraged. And again, sometimes we get discouraged by the answers we get, which I don't know if you, if you know this or not, God answers every single one of our prayers. The hard part is most of us don't think that God answers our prayers when he doesn't answer it in the way that we want it. Because the truth is, sometimes God says wait. Sometimes God says no. And yeah, sometimes God says yes. And even sometimes God says, hey, by the way, I know you think you want this, but I have something better. So take that, Susan, from Youth Retreat. I got Hunter. <laughs> what are you doing now? But I think also sometimes we get discouraged because we live in a world where we desire microwave results when oftentimes God tends to work more at a crockpot speed. I mean, think about it. I, I don't know about you, but I, how many of you guys remember dial-up internet? Like, I, I, I have just an angsty feeling in my heart thinking about it, right? Hey, Mom, do you have to make any phone calls? I was going to get online and uh, check out the scores from the Lions game. You know, that was that. We, we have grown accustomed to things happening so instantaneously. You know, technology is a beautiful thing. There's a lot of good that has happened. But one of the things that has been tragic to our human soul, I believe, amongst many other things, is the fact that we have started to assume and expect and honestly give up on a lot of things quickly because we think that if things don't happen quickly, things aren't going to happen at all. And so some of us, we stop praying or we don't pray a lot because we just get discouraged. We don't want to set ourselves up for disappointment. Some of us, we, we get demotivated we get demotivated. And oftentimes this can come from, from times where we've gotten distracted before, so it's like, I don't know if I can ever get focused again, or we get discouraged by something and we get demotivated. You know, it, it, I don't know if this ever happens to you, but you know, this, this happens a lot, right, where people will uh, create sort of like these um, New Year's resolutions or, or goals when it comes to their eating or exercise. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I've been the type at times where I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to like a, this certain sort of calorie diet. I'm going to like watch really good. And, and, and if I have a bad day, like the, the, the good person, right, would be like, okay, I had a bad day. There's grace. Re, restart tomorrow and go in. 
I'm sometimes the more I'm like, listen, I screwed it up already. Let's go all in, okay? Like, I, I, I went over by like 10 calories. It's time to just like a whole sleeve of Oreos. It's time to do a line. You all do the same thing. Don't lie to me. But there's times where in some ways we can get demotivated by things. And so in some ways, some of us are like, well, if he didn't answer my prayer, I'm not, I'm not doing it again. I don't feel even motivated to go to God. What, he didn't help me the last time. Or, or, or we feel a sense of like, does it even matter? You know, I, don't, I don't know about you. There's been seasons of my life where prayer has sort of felt like I'm, I'm throwing something, hoping that it's going to bust through the, through the ceiling, and it just feels like, it, I don't know. And so for some of us, we get demotivated by it. And the last thing is this. Sometimes we get disconnected. Do you know what's one of the most frustrating things in the world? Trying to watch a movie when you're streaming it and your internet keeps cutting out. You ever been there before? You ever tried to watch a sports, like, like, a, like a game when that's happening? And it's like, in the final, Hail Mary, and, it's, uh, uh, and it just freezes, Right? It is incredibly frustrating. Or have you ever had that phone call with someone where they keep trying to call you and it keeps dropping over and over again? It can become frustrating. For many of us, we get to this place where we, we, we don't feel this connection with God anymore. You know, it's in, it's in a lot of ways similar to how I see sometimes um, people's marriages coming to an end. You know, most people who end up having an end to a marriage, uh, especially if they get divorced, um, more often than not, rarely do I like meet the people who are like, we were always communicating well, we went on date nights all the time, we shared our feelings, we did all these sort of things. Usually towards the end, right, they're like kind of like utilitarian like roommates who kind of communicate to get by, but there's, there's no spark, there's no connection anymore. In the same way, many of us don't pray to God because we, we don't we don't pursue God. We're not looking for him. And so oftentimes, again, when we run into the moments that feel like things have hit the fan, we start going to him, but in some ways, again, we start feeling like, I don't know if I feel that motivated because in the past I was discouraged by what he did, and now I'm getting distracted by everything else going on. But we have to push through. One of the reasons why we have named being persistent in prayer as a value for our church is, is something that we want to become aspirational with. Because we believe that prayer is the lifeblood of a believer's life in a church's life. In many ways, it is the fuel. It is like trying to uh, operate a car that isn't a Tesla without gas. Prayer is, again, it's simple. It's, it's communication and communion with God. And we believe that prayer actually changes things. And in particular, it changes us. We see a world that is so inconsistent uh, in many areas of life, who give up on things incredibly quickly, that we want to be consistent in what matters most, which is especially prayer. I find sports really interesting and compelling. And uh, I was listening to a podcast once where they were talking about um, soccer players. I'm not a huge soccer person myself, but I, you know, like, I like to watch it in the World Cup and things like that. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but in, in, in other countries, especially like in Europe and stuff, you know, soccer is much, uh, it's a much bigger deal. In fact, all the people who really like soccer would be like, it's football, man, get over yourself. And you would be pretentious. But um, oftentimes what happens is kids who are really good and show signs of promise early on 
uh, get taken to like these special schools uh, where they like, they go to like great school, but they're also playing soccer. And oftentimes they get into kind of these club systems early on. And there was this particular scout person that they were talking to about um, knowing some of these players who are now, you know, at the height of their, their careers, knowing when they were really young and, and talking about, you know, were there signs of knowing like who would make it, who would succeed and who would not. And, and this person who had, had kind of followed things for quite a long time had said, you know, what I noticed is that it wasn't always the most talented players who were the ones who end up making it on. The key that we would look for were the ones who were the most resilient, the ones who were the most persistent, the ones who never wanted to give up, even when it felt like maybe you maybe even should. When we name this idea of being persistent in prayer, it's this understanding that even when it feels like, I don't know if this is making any sense or if this is making even a difference, I'm going to keep showing up and pressing in. And throughout Scripture, we find this. We see that Paul, the Apostle Paul, he taught us to to pray without ceasing and to be devoted to steadfast prayer. In the Psalms, we see David being a little bit too open at times and showing us what it looks like to be honest and intimate with God because he can handle it and he wants to hear it from us. We, we, we see the story of Daniel, Daniel who was, who was Daniel in the lion's den, uh, who, who, ex, who gives us this example of continuing to seek the Lord even when no one else seems like they're doing it and even when it's costly. And we see Jesus who taught and modeled for us this idea of praying being about intimacy. Because at its core, if you fall asleep here for a moment, uh, the, the primary purpose of prayer is relationship with God primary purpose of prayer is not for God to make all of your dreams come true, for him to answer every prayer in the way that you want it to be answered. The primary purpose of prayer is relationship with God, because like all good relationships, right, there is a great desire to do things, to to show up for people, to, to, to do all those things when there is good relationship, right? I am far more likely uh, in my marriage, for example, to experience, uh, you know, if Hunter and I want to have ideas for like a vacation, I am probably more likely for her to want to do the thing that I want to do when we are in a good relational piece, right? But if I'm never doing the dishes, I'm never helping out with the laundry, uh, all of that sort of stuff, she's not. Like, there's no, if there's no connection, why, why does she care? Now, here's the good news. God always cares about us. But I think there is a piece where in so many ways we begin to understand how God is answering our prayers in a better way when we have intimacy and relationship with him. Because one of the big pieces is the fact that throughout prayer, again, God wants to change our hearts. I have found that the prayers that I prayed in my teens were prayers that were a lot about myself. And they've changed and matured over time. And some of that isn't because I'm great or smart or, you know, all of that sort of stuff, but it's because of the work that God has done inside of me to pray for and desire the things that he would pray for and desire rather than just make the wishes that I wish to have happen. All right, let's, let's dive into Scripture just a little bit this morning, uh, in, in, in particular some places where Jesus taught us to pray. If you have a Bible this morning, you can op- uh, open up to um, Matt, the Gospel of Matthew first, Matthew chapter 6. And in here, Jesus, this is kind of his, one of his major teachings on prayer. Uh, he said this, and, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, 
For they love to pray standing in synagogues and on street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your prayer, then your Father, who sees what you have done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, there's a couple things that I, that I want to point out here when Jesus talks about this. No, this doesn't mean, um, by the way, that you can't pray in, in public or with other people. This is not what this is trying to say. Jesus is talking about these religious leaders at the time, whom in a lot of ways he's saying, they weren't really praying for God to hear, they were praying for others to hear. You know, they're the ones where Jesus gave the example before, where there's this Pharisee who prays like, oh Lord, and he's, he's praying it loud enough for another person to hear, oh Lord, thank you for not making me a sinner like this person. They're doing that. It's the, it's the, the prayer of the shade, thrilling. But I, one of, a couple of things I want to point out that I think is important that Jesus says. When you pray, he says it a few different times in that section. This is an assumption that we should be praying. So if you ever wondered, like, I don't know if I need to be a person of prayer. You need to be a person of prayer. Jesus is assuming and calling us to prayer. And when he says, when we do it, he's talking about doing it in a manner where there is intimacy. You know, there are conversations that happen with a friend or a spouse, right, behind closed doors. Not because they're bad, but because there is a sense of intimacy. There are things that you say to one another that others will never hear, never be around for. And part of the beauty of that, right, is that there becomes this level of, like, intimacy. There are things that just happen with just you and I. And in the same way, Jesus' desire, his, his, his pushing towards us in this way, is this idea that when we meet God in this, this way, again, we don't have to have all these words. We don't need to go on with all of this. I, I think some people, their barrier to prayer, honestly, is because most of what they have seen as prayer are things that happen on stages and things like that. Or they see people who sound like William Shakespeare, and they're like, Thou art Lord, dost you hear me? And that's not a conversation that I think most of us have with other people, right? So in many ways, our idea of prayer, again, does not feel relational or intimate. Yet Jesus is calling us, which this would have been radical at this time in many ways too, this idea to have intimate, close relationship personally. And so he teaches us, this is the Lord's Prayer. This is, this is how he teaches us. Then this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now again, this is a prayer, yes, that we are called to and can pray verbatim, but in many ways, this is a template. We're, we're calling out that God is holy. We are, are asking that his kingdom would come, that ours would not, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that we are praying that the things of God, that his kingdom, what heaven looks like, would look like that down on earth. We're asking each day for us to be trusting of him to provide each day for us. We are praying that we have the courage and the ability to forgive others because honestly, if we want forgiveness from him, we have to give forgiveness to other ones. And we're asking him to help us stay away from temptation because there is an evil one. Now, again, there are a lot of templates for prayer, but you can even take this and just begin by, by, 
by, by kind of following this step and just spending time in each one of them. Again, though, prayer at its core is us having connection with God. Now, there are two stories that I want to tell real quick that come from the Gospel of Luke, where Jesus is teaching about prayer. The first one comes from uh, Luke chapter 11. It says this, Then, teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. This is Jesus. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom. Don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't tell you, or I can't help you. But I tell you, though he won't do it for a friend's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. Now, it's important to know ancient culture when this is happening is a, uh, and we've, we've talked about this in the past sometimes, this idea of this um, honor-shame culture where uh, there's a big deal about honor, that, that, that there's this huge piece where um, we don't live as much in that anymore, where people are pretty okay with doing shameless things, but it's a different story, uh, but where they really cared about social status and things like that. And so what he's actually talking about is a real thing, that in many ways, that if the person would be persistent, the homeowner would more than likely eventually do it because they would not want it to get out, that they wouldn't do it, because there would be a fear or a shame that maybe it meant they couldn't provide for this person, or they, they, they felt like they were too good, or, or whatever. There was all sorts of things like that. And in many ways, this is a story about being shameless and persistent will get someone to do something because they feel like they need to actually do it. And really, one of the things that it teaches us is this idea that in many ways, we're inviting God to be God. I read a devotional about this about a year ago, and it kind of changed my perspective, that in many ways, this, this story tells us, this parable Jesus tells us, is that in many ways, when we are persistently, shamelessly asking God for things, really what we're doing is we're not just kind of pestering and bugging him, bugging him. we are asking God to do what only God can do. We are in some ways at times saying, prove your God to me. Do it. And while, again, there's parts of us that we get a little nervous about that, like their lightning bolt's going to strike, there's a piece where we see where God is asking us to do these things. You see, God honors bold and persistent prayers. I think sometimes we worry that, like, we can only ask God a few things every once in a while. And yet I've, I've found, at least in my own life, God tends to like bold, audacious, persistent prayers He's not that interested in kind of small, weak, like half-heartedly ones. He really wants us to be all in on them. And he, he continues on in this teaching in Luke 11 where he says this, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what, what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Your fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if you ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people who know how to give good gifts to children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now again, it's a great example, right? He's thinking through the context that most people desire to be a good parent, right? And if your kid asks for an egg, I hope you're not giving them a scorpion, okay? Although I've seen some weird YouTube videos lately where people are trying to do pranks and it's like, come on, man, slow down. 
Or if someone asks for bread, are they really going to give them a steak? No. And he's wanting to say that, listen, if you as a parent, when your child comes to you needing something, can take care of them, and you're, you're sinful, you don't got it all together, do you not think that I, a perfect God, cannot and will not take care of the needs that you have? He's, again, wanting to you to recognize that he is a good father whom is worthy of praise, whom can be trusted, and who will provide. But there's the invitation to keep going for it. There's another story in uh, Luke chapter 18, and we're going to kind of start to wind things down here. And it says this, one day Jesus told his disciples uh, a story to show them that they should always pray and never give up. Now again, this is one thing that I love. Whenever there's a parable where it tells us what it's supposed to mean, it's really great. Because there's no guessing, right? There's no guessing going into the story like, oh, what does this exactly mean? We know what it means. There was a certain, there was a judge in a certain city. And he said, it said, who never, who neither feared God nor cared about people. And a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me out from her constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge, even if he renders a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Again, it's a great reminder that God is not bugged by our prayers in the standpoint that he is inviting us to do it. He has asked us to do it. And again, if we see examples of people who have no need or no desire, who aren't faithful, who aren't the God of all the universe, who is full of grace and truth and justice, if because of the persistence to a person like that, that they grant the request, how much more will a good and loving God do the same thing? All right, let me give you three real quick reasons why it's important that we as individuals and as church persist in prayer. Here's the first thing. Praying with persistence gives us the chance to see who and what God does. Somebody us want to see God move, put him to the test. Ask him over and over again. Again, we're seeing God have to show up and be who he says he is. Here's the second thing. Praying with persistence keeps us in God's presence. When you continue to pursue relationship over and over with him, you great greater and greater connection. We have to keep pushing for it. Honestly, the greatest thing you can have in your life is the presence of God, so keep pushing for it. And here's the third thing. Praying with persistence grows in us an intimacy and faith in God nothing else can give us. It doesn't come from serving. It doesn't come from giving. There is something that we have to do in our conversation and communion with God that nothing else in this world can create. We have to push for it. All right, a couple practical things. Four pro tips of prayer. Here's the first thing, because this is important. You could hear all this and be like, that's great, and do nothing with it. This is maybe the most important part. Pro tip number one, set times. Think about it. I, I, I used to think it was lame when people, uh, when, when Hunter and I first got married, and they're like, you got to schedule date night, or uh, not to be weird, earmuffs for the kids, but you got to schedule intimate time, you know? And I thought, 
that's so stupid. And then I had kids and realized that schedules get crazy and that if you don't make the, the time for things, things sometimes don't happen. Intentionality. In the same way, you could have great intention and be like, well, I pray without ceasing. Come on, y'all. We get distracted. It is important that we set times to actually have prayer. Maybe it's in the morning. Maybe it's at lunch. Maybe it's in the evening. But you have to set times. Put it in your calendar. Set reminders. All right, here's the other thing. Create spaces and places. You know, there's a big piece, uh, and I don't have enough time to talk about this, but, but our brain wiring, we need um, cues. We need certain things. You think about when teachers create environments for their classrooms. There's a reason they pick certain colors and they set certain things up because it invites a better opportunity for focus and learning. We have to create places and spaces. For me, in my house, there's a chair I like to sit in. Uh, I've realized sometimes if I try to do my prayer on the couch, I'm going back to sleep. I've realized one of the things I like to do is I make a little extra coffee than what I need the night before, uh, the day before, and then I save it so I can heat it up just a little bit. You need those certain things that help you. You got to create structure. Have a plan. Think about some questions, some things that you want to bring before the Lord, and stick with that. And then you got to find and keep prayer partners. There is, prayer is, is, while it is an individual sport, it's a team sport, okay? We all need each other, and we need others to pray for us. We need to invite others in to pray uh, the, 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 the celebrations and, and, and the trials with us. We need sometimes the people who we can call and say, will you pray for me right now? We have to find these things. Here's the thing. As the band's going to come out, we're going to sing one last song. Don't give up on God because he will never give up on you. God will never give up on you. And so don't give up on continuing just to show up and talk to him and ask him and seek him. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We have to persist in our prayer. Now, coming up, we, we're, we're going to be working on some opportunities as a church to be more involved in prayer because I really do believe that if we want to see some incredible things happen in and through our church, and I believe we are at a place in a season where we are the most important part of it is going to be for our church to become a church where our natural posture, our response all the times is prayer. And so you're going to hear about some opportunities uh, in, in the weeks ahead about that. But, but here's, here's the last thing I just want to say uh, as we're going to wrap things up. It's just this, is that prayer won't always uh, change our circumstances, but it can always change our heart. <laughs> prayer will not always change your circumstances. And that's hard, and that is difficult. And there are times where I have prayed and God didn't change the circumstances. And if I'm honest, I'm still like, come on, man. But I've realized the, the way that it's changed my heart. And more often than not, the most important part of what it changes my heart is the fact that I just get more of God. And sometimes when it comes to prayer, if all that we get out of prayer is just more of God, I sometimes wonder if that's, that's enough. That if I didn't get the job, I didn't get the promotion, I didn't get the health diagnosis that I wanted, that if I just got more of God, maybe that's, that's more than enough. Would you guys uh, stand and, and join me in prayers? We're going to uh, close out with one last song. Father, we are so grateful for the fact that uh, you desire to hear from us. You relish the opportunity to... Um, 
uh, to answer our prayers. You, you relish hearing from us. And Father, I pray that uh, this morning we would be reminded of that. Um, some of us, I think, uh, maybe even a barrier is the fact that we feel like we don't have it all together, that we've been distant from you, that we've been terrible, that you probably don't even want to hear from us. And Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that any feelings like that would just be cast out by you right now. That people would realize that you desire nothing more than your sons and daughters to come home and just sit and talk with you. Father, this morning as we're going to sing this last song, I I pray that you would just uh, remind us um, that because of your son Jesus, uh, everything's going to be okay. No matter what weighs heavy on our heart, no matter what request we have that we just feel like has to happen, at the end of the day, Jesus is still king. That heaven is still there for us. And we're going to be all right. And Father, in the midst of our time of prayer together in this moment, if we get nothing else out of it, would we just get more of your presence, more of your goodness, and more of your grace? Father, speak to us and help us to listen as you speak to us as we sing this song. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.